Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Beth Smith on the Rider Flex podcast. I've been looking forward to this one, Beth. Me too. Great to how see you? you. Yeah, how are you? I'm great. Fresh back off of vacation, uh, 10 days away in Mexico, and uh, I'm feeling really refreshed. Nice. You know, it's and you turned off the laptop. No, you didn't answer the phone. Did you check the phone like what, once every two days or what did you do? I checked once a day to see if there was any emergencies, put a delegate in place. I uh, have a great team, a uh, lot going on for us, like almost every business, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, it was time to just hit the refresh button. It's so hard, you know, until you've actually sat in the CEO chair, until you've lived it, it's hard to explain to people how difficult it is to disconnect and turn off and not think about the job. It yeah. really is hard. And I'm not saying it's not hard for, hard for other positions too, but in the CEO chair, it, it, is, it is hard. It's very difficult. Um, and even when you're on the beach, right? Like you're making little notes to yourself. Oh, I just thought about this. I just came up with this other idea. I mean, you're like, you're like. <laughs> you're on to me. I carried a little notebook around uh, so I wouldn't be on my phone so much. And uh, that was really great. And just made notes on things running through my mind. Um, I was just so thrilled to check back in and see all the decisions and forward movement that mm -hmm. the leadership team made while I was gone. And we have our weekly meeting uh, earlier this morning. And I was like, let's recap. Like, here's the things I've noticed that you guys push forward. Uh, what am I missing? Like so much great movement. So I think when we do take that pause, um, it really does allow our team to step in more, um, especially right when they're ready and they know they can get in contact with you if there's an emergency to think things through. So I'm grateful to have a great team. And it's really awesome if there were, if there were some fires and you came back and they're like, yeah, this is what happened. And this is how we handled it. And the fires put out and you're like, Oh, cool. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, tell us about yourself personally, before we get into too much business, I want to know about Beth Smith, where you grew up, family, mom, dad, siblings, give, give me some early stuff if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, my parents, uh, grew up a mile apart from each other in West Virginia. So that sort of sets up my story. Yeah. Um, and that was a great part of my growing up. My grandparents lived just a mile apart from each other and it was my happy place to go there. Nice. Um, I was born in Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, we didn't live there for a long time, um, but I mostly grew up outside of Pittsburgh. So oh, okay. it's, it's, I'm not a big sports fan, but Pirates and Steelers still sort of, I, I'll bend, I'll bend an ear to hear, uh, hear a, a score. So that's, that was kind of my growing up. Okay. Um, uh, my dad was a fundamental Christian minister. My mom was a Christian school teacher. So, uh, really, how about usually, that? Usually, when uh, people know me well and I say that, their neck kind of goes back a little I, bit. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit surprised. I, I would have just assumed they were like hippies in California or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, were they what, what, uh, like uh, Pentecostal or what, what were they? I'm just curious. Fund fundamental Christian. Yeah. What does that, what does that mean for the listeners? What does that mean? Does that mean like, uh, Church uh, Christ or what, what kind of, uh, independent, I would say independent Christian. So not really affiliated with a lot of the, the bigger affiliate, okay. you know, Southern okay. Baptist and things of that nature. Okay. Um, right. So as we get into it, right, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure as we get to know me, but uh, yes. I uh, went to school in Lynchburg, Virginia. I went All to right. Liberty University. So for some of your uh, listeners, that might also surprise them as they get to know me. I actually have an undergrad degree from Liberty uh, and I got started with my career in Lynchburg. I got a job the summer of my junior year in college at UPS. And I started out loading tractor trailers. How about that? Pretty Very good. good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
I was making more money than I knew what to do with uh, working part time from four to eight at night. It was just it was a great job to land at that time. Uh, they were actively recruiting people of color and women into the business. So uh, I think I got swept up in that. I'll date myself. It was uh, in the early 80s. So I was at UPS total for about 13 years. I was a driver for uh, about 10 months. So I was a delivery driver and I worked uh, as a part-time supervisor on the morning and evening shifts. I was in sales for a while. And then a, a big part of my career was in contact center management uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. So I then took the, the first management buyout that UPS offered. Uh, and that was in the nineties and that was pretty surprising, right? I had planned to, you know, stay at UPS and retire around 45 at the age of 45. And that is not at all what happened. So they started outsourcing the part of the business I was in the contact center. I see. Okay. I had an opportunity to go to Salt Lake City and help open the first consolidated center. And I was like, ready to go. Just tell me what big city you're going to send me to and I'll ride my career out. That is not what happened. Uh, some people thought I was a little off because I, I left my job. My dad was one of those. Like, why would you do a thing like that with a good company? Um, but I don't regret it one bit. I did everything I could do for two and a half years to not work like a formal real job. I worked with a paint contractor and a landscape contractor, just stretching out that, that buyout money, right? And mm. then, uh, you know, reality started to set in a little bit. I was still pretty, pretty young. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to get a, a job again, like a real job. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you living? Richmond, Virginia. Oh, Richmond. Okay, very yeah. good. Very and good. so look, look. I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I landed back in transportation, but on the freight side of transportation okay. and the company name at that time was overnight transportation, eventually became UPS freight and they just got sold again to T-Force mm -hmm. uh, and I was there six and a half years mm -hmm. and I, I ran the corporate contact center for them for that time. And while I was there, I got a master's degree at George Washington University in organizational that. and human uh, development. Nice. So you know, a lot of my career trajectory was always around the people side of the business, but I'm a, I'm a business geek through and through. So, you know, people, when they get to know me, they're like, oh, you're so people focused. And sometimes I have to remind people, I'm like, yes. And I'm a bad ass business person too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so got that master's degree. And then I, you know, I started having this experience of like externally, my life looked pretty successful, right? Um, but I didn't actually feel like that inside. Like I, there was just probably some form of an existential crisis, right? Like really what is life all about? And is this really all there is? Uh, and I started How old were you? How old were you then when that, when those thoughts were entering your head there? Uh, 35 or so. Okay. Um, and I started working with a meditation and mindful awareness teacher and worked with that teacher for about six and a half years. And I really started seeing the evidence of how my insides started matching my outsides. Um, so it was a big experience. And from that, I uh, started studying Buddhism and I'd always wanted to be a psychologist when I was a kid. I was always drawn to psychology. But I didn't think I was smart enough to, to get a degree in psychology, right? In like clinical psychology. Mm -hmm. So I proved mm -hmm. myself wrong when I got that first master's degree. Nice. Um, and I was like, you know what? I want to pursue that. I want to, I want to go to school and get a degree in counseling. And then I found Naropa University here in Boulder, where I live mm -hmm. now, and really connected both of those things, like psychology and Buddhism. And I left my job at UPS Freight and moved to Boulder and uh, was in graduate school for three years and went through a whole process of learning how to be a, a very specific kind of contemplative psychotherapy is the name of the program. Okay. And I set up private practice and then to kind of make ends meet, I um, worked in public health and mental health. I was a psychiatric crisis clinician evaluating people in jails and wow. uh, emergency rooms. So big life experience. And mm. then I was like, this is not what I want to do. Like I really? chased the stream mm. and I just 
this is not, this is really not what I want to do. I really miss the business world. I was just about to say that. So you enjoyed the people piece, but the business and the numbers and the ops, you missed it. Yeah, it did. And that's a different take on people piece, right? Um, helping people from a, a therapy standpoint. Uh, and there were lots of parts I enjoyed about it, but it was pretty um, as a solopreneur, right? I was a, a one person operation. I missed that. Like, how are we going to make it all work? You know? Mm. So um, I went back to the business world uh, right as uh, the economy was crashing. What was that? 2008. Uh, got a job right before the economy crashed December of that year and mm. worked at a uh, transportation again, time critical transportation. So next flight out kind of work. Okay. Uh, and I was there six months, had an opportunity to save them a good piece of money. And uh, after six months and the economy changed, they said, thank you and laid me off, which was uh, it's like, okay, I chose to go back to the business world. This is the reality of the business world, right? Uh, and uh, launched a, a job search. And um, from there, I landed in a startup that focused on, um, was in the apparel and uniform industry and okay. focused on sustainable fabrics in that industry and was there for about a year and a half and the company closed. We ran out of cash. Mm. Uh, so it was from one of layoff, the last- from a, from a layoff to a closure, you're like, okay, damn. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Life lessons, right? Life lessons. Uh, it happens, yeah. Yeah. Had the opportunity to be one of the last two people there at the company to help close it. So good experience. Um, good experience. Yep, yep. Hard and good experience. Uh, got a little jump start on my next job search. I was there about four months doing that. And also, uh, you know, the founder was fine with me looking for a job. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I really started believing in building a network at that time. Right. So a lot of people tell you to build a network but you don't know how much you need one until you're job searching. Actually, I think that's where you and I met uh, uh, long ago at Probably. a, uh, yeah. So, Probably so, yep. So yeah, started that job search and uh, landed a job through networking at uh, Entrado in Longmont, which is a technology company in the 911 and public uh, safety space. They do data and uh, telecommunications for uh, 911 and public safety. I was there for five years, uh, learned a heck of a lot, was able to contribute an awful lot and um, got laid off. <laughs> the company kept changing hands. It's continued to several times. Launched another job search. Again, a lot of networking played into uh, me starting at Sticker Giant. Um, so been at Sticker Giant little over four years, started out as the COO and uh, became the CEO about a year ago. Congratulations, by the way, on that, Thank that you. promotion. Very, very happy for you. Thank you so uh, much. Can you give us a quick overview, Sticker Giant? Can you give us the three, four minute uh, elevator pitch? Go for it. You bet. Uh, we are a custom manufacturer in the promotional sticker and product label space. So if it sticks to things, uh, we like to make it. In particular, we'll see, there's some of our product on my water bottle. Those All are right. stickers. Okay. Stickers are outdoor durable. Uh, and then labels are more for uh, products. So they go, they really tell your story. And that's really the premise of Sticker Giant is um, we believe every sticker has a story. And as we talk about culture here, probably in a little bit, we also yep. believe every person has a story. And we believe uh, that self-expression is a really important part of our culture and how we provide service to our customers. How uh, big is the company? I don't know. I probably can't share revenue, but how many employees? We're about 140 right now. And, and you grew it and you, when you first joined, it was like 40 something, huh? I was employee number 47. Oh, man. All right. Congratulations on the growth. Uh, Thank you. Did uh, COVID, was it? Was it a blessing in disguise for you on growth? And talk to us about that. It was. Um, you know, in the early days, I think we were just like everybody else, sort of holding on with white knuckles to see, okay, what's going to happen? Because we definitely saw decline pretty much like everybody. But our rebound happened fast and quick. Like the V-shape was kind of down like this, but the upside came pretty straight up. Uh, 
We are really fortunate uh, that we have, we offer both stickers and labels. Our label business is really what um, went up significantly. Uh, promotional stickers wasn't something that was happening as much at that time. Uh, and they've come back in now to about the same kind of alignment they were uh, pre-COVID. Okay. So we were, say, we were quite fortunate. When you say label, I, I envision, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just like in the grocery store, like right underneath the, the, the little label. That's what I'm, is that? Exactly. Yeah. So okay. you go to the grocery store and the label is what tells you what the product is, who made it, like, and it shows their brand. So we're really focused on helping people get their brand uh, out into the world. Okay. Okay. Very good. And your penetration in that market, are you guys like number one in Colorado, number one in the region? Are you, where are you compared to other people that make labels? Give me some comparisons. Um, we, we are a formidable force in our industry. Uh, and I, the industry itself is pretty fragmented. So there's not a lot of very specific data around competitors. Uh, many of them are privately held. So that information isn't necessarily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we are a recognized uh, industry leader. Okay. Do you have Kroger? Okay. So that would be for CPG on that side of our industry, right? So that'd be the bigger, like at Costco and Safeway uh, brands that are like that. Our brands are the mid to smaller size. You're going to see our customers on Etsy and at the farmer's market. Uh, so we'd be that SMB, that small, medium business. Um, I see. And we are, we're a hundred percent e-commerce. So you go on our site, you pick your product. Uh, and we're also quick turn. So if you approve your artwork by noon mountain time, mm-hmm. we'll, depending on the product, we'll ship it the next day or, uh, two days after. So that was one of the early disruptors in, uh, the label and sticker business was being able to do it on a quick turn. I see. Okay. And, and do you ever want to get into the big companies or do anything like, like Kroger? Is that, a, is that a target for you or no? Probably not that big, but uh, we do have opportunity uh, with larger and actually smaller. So minimum size order for us is 125. Uh, and we don't have actually a top uh, amount that we would cut off at. Yeah. But our sweet spot is uh, right up to about 10,000 uh, and down and 125 and up. I see. When you say 10,000, you mean 10,000 stickers. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Individual <laughs> and, quantity. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about how you managed COVID. Yeah, I know we could do like a whole podcast on that, but just the kind of the short version of how you managed it and what you're doing now and spe- specifically kind of how you're handling it now since things are changing rapidly, it feels like anyway. Yeah. Um, Talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, well, we, we, when we were on our own in a small company, right, just uh, doing our own thing, uh, we really researched. We used the CDC and then Boulder County Public Health uh, to really be our guideposts. And we really stayed very informed uh, to make sure that what we were doing was in alignment with that. I you see. know, just, just yesterday, as I was traveling back, we made the decision to take masks off. Okay. Uh, which Boulder County on Friday had uh, made that decision. And we usually lag at Sticker Giant. We've lagged our decision just a little bit, uh, trying to just make in, sure. Just that, in case they change their mind. <laughs> yes. And just because of the euphoria that uh, we, re- we refer to each other as giants, uh, it was a happy day yesterday at Sticker Giant oh, when uh, we made masks optional. And we did a couple of things, uh, carve outs. Uh, If you're a visitor or a vendor that is providing service to us, you need to wear a mask when you come in the facility. I see. Um, If you travel, like I just did, uh, we want you to follow the uh, CDC protocol for returning. So um, I'm going into the office tomorrow and I'm gonna wear a mask just out of safety and respect. And then anybody that um, has a health condition that causes them concern, uh, they, and they are wearing a mask. Uh, we want people to be really super respectful. Uh, if someone says, look, I need you to wear a mask if you're in my work area. So those were the three things we asked folks to do. And, okay. uh, and what about the vaccinations? Are you requiring them to be vaccinated? Is that an option or optional or what are you doing there? Uh, we have kept records on who is and who isn't. 
Um, and at this point, we are not because we're not required to do so. Okay. Like you said, kind of following following the guidelines of, of the CDC or whoever, you're kind of moving in, in pace with them, which I guess is probably a good idea. You know, it's challenging to be a CEO of a company on a regular day, right? Uh, doing it during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I talk to so many of my CEO friends and they're, they're always telling me they're like, holy shit, man. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to run my business here. I'm just trying to run my business. Meanwhile, I got to deal with Sally's mad at Johnny because of the, this or that because of COVID. And I mean, just, you know, all of it, all of it. <laughs> Well, you know, Steve, the world's changing, right? We know that the world's always been changing. The, the pace of change in the world and the culture at large is, is happening faster and faster. So as leaders in our business, we are called forward really as leaders to lead with more empathy and compassion uh, while holding people accountable. We, we have a business to run, right? Um, but I think learning to listen more is really important right now um, because people are bringing, they've always brought their lives to work, right? But people are bringing untold uncertainty in their lives and fear. Um, so I think we are in the workplace, we are challenged to step forward in this moment to really support people around what's going on in their larger world. I mean, think about we're recording this just as Russia is, you know, launching into the Ukraine, another big part of how people's psychology is informed. Mm -hmm. I also think about here locally, right? We had uh, the Safeway shootings uh, last year, mm -hmm. and we have an employee at Sticker Giant that worked at Safeway for a really long time, was really impacted by that. Mm -hmm. And then the Marshall fires, uh, we have an employee that uh, had a total loss in that. So I think when we think about what's happening around us, we have to think about that when we as, as leaders go to work and the work we have to do to continue to help our companies move forward too. Mm -hmm. You know, you, it appears that you've built a wonderful culture there. At least it feels that way online and through social media. I haven't been in the building, but I'm assuming that what I see online is very similar to, to, to what's happening with the people how do you do that? And what advice would you give to others uh, regarding uh, uh, culture? Oh, such a big question. So as a manufacturer, right, we were really challenged early in COVID because we all showed up to work every day. Didn't matter what your job was, you came to work. So pretty quickly now, it's been two years ago, we, we actually loaded up computers like hard drives into people's cars and monitors and sent them home. And our IT team did an amazing job creating the connectivity that um, we didn't even have in place. And that all happened within a very, very short period of time. Super, super proud of what we did there. But our manufacturing team, right, they have to come to work every day to make our product. We refer to them as craftspeople, right? They are hand making. Of course, we use machines to do it, but each step along the way when we're making product, there's a person there that's running a machine that cares a great deal about that product. So that changed a lot for us. We used to uh, have a weekly huddle uh, every Tuesday. Uh, we got together at nine for a weekly huddle. We went over all of the, the business numbers, our KPIs, how are we doing? We took that online. Uh, we've more recently stopped meeting online because it just the attendance started to change, right? So I always mm. say behavior tells you where to pay attention. So if people mm. aren't showing up, then we don't have the right platform or format. So we're still st sending that information out on Slack and trying to figure out how we're gonna refactor that. Mm. So we're really shifting. We've, we try things, they work or they don't. Uh, we talk to folks and ask them for their input. I think that's really important. Certainly we can't do everything that everybody wants, but we're looking for that commonality, like what's gonna have broad appeal around how people wanna get information. But mm. we've been challenged, our culture's really been challenged uh, and how could it not have been? And it continues to be. Interesting, I, so yeah, I hear you saying that, what I heard you say is 
yeah, we worked really hard and we had, we had a very cool culture and we still do, but it's been challenging to keep that with, with everybody working remote. That's what I heard you say. <laughs> well, remote, we went through a process to uh, change our ownership structure. Oh, that too. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> fast growth, just add fast growth in there too. So, wow. you know, I, yeah. I am, I am beyond humbled by our giants uh, that that help run this company. And uh, it, it is a big endeavor for all of us every day, because remember now we're on this quick turn. So every day we're the clock starts over every day for us mm-hmm. uh, in order to provide the service that we've promised our customers. You know, I'm just thinking about what you said in summary, you're right. So COVID change in ownership, remote work, all hitting you and you're trying, you're trying, and, and then, and you're getting promoted. And you're like, okay, I'm trying to figure out how to be CEO. I'm dealing with all this stuff. And, and I, it's, been, well, it's been a fun two, 24 months for you. <laughs> it certainly has. It certainly has. You know, I, I, see, I see our giants as teachers to me. You know, I mentioned that uh, I'm a mindful awareness and meditation teacher. And I see life as a teacher and the people that are in my life as teachers um, so I'm just grateful that I get to show up every day and do something that I love around people that I care so much for, uh, and that we all continue to work on figuring out how to keep this company moving forward as it's growing really fast and things are really unpredictable and uncertain. So you ask about culture. One of the ways we think about our culture, and this comes from, uh, Ari, Ari Weinswig. So he is uh, the CEO, the co-CEO, I believe, at uh, Zingerman's Community of Businesses up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. He's a prolific writer. Um, and he refers to a business as an ecosystem. And I think that's at the fundamental core of how we see the culture at Sticker Giant. So you have external forces that are adding to that ecosystem. And then certainly within the organization, we have an ecosystem Uh, We have values that we uh, talk about. We have a way that we work together that hinges around care. Uh, But all of that ecosystem is is constantly moving. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the early uh, 80s and 90s, we used to say the definition of uh, culture was how we do things around here. Right. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason, you know, I was compelled by that for a long time, but that's too prescriptive it's too directional, right? Mm, Who, mm. Who's actually going to set up how we do things around here, right? Back then, it was a kind of a top-down approach. Mm-hmm. And at Sticker Giant, we work really hard for that to be a very collaborative endeavor. Um, so I think that really makes a difference. Mm. I'd say we're not perfect, but boy, we work hard at it. I love it. That's good stuff, Beth. Let me ask you this. A lot of people listening to this episode probably aspiring CEOs want to want to make the CEO position someday. Maybe they're at a director level, maybe they're at a VP level. What would you tell them now about, um, you know, getting to the CEO chair? What, what advice would you share? Well, I can just tell you about my experience. I don't, I don't know if that's a broad appeal for advice or not, but you know, CEO is really an umbrella term. You can be the CEO of a small company with a couple of people or a CEO of hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to understand, you know, where you might be aiming for. Um, I certainly love being in the SMB, the small medium business uh, CEO role, but, you know, I never aspired to be a CEO. That wasn't, that wasn't my trajectory. I can totally appreciate it could be for some, Um, but to be a CEO, you have to have really broad experience. I think to be Mm -hmm. really effective. So I've collected experience and education uh, all along my career. So I can move uh, pretty easily through the organization and be able to guide and influence and be influenced by people that have more experience than me in things, but actually bring something to the conversation, the equation based on my experience. So uh, I think about it as the Swiss army knife, right? When you're Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're in a bigger company, you really are focused on something um, specific. Like when I was at UPS, I was in contact center management, right? Um, but over time, as you move through a career, 
I would just encourage people to get as much experience as possible across um, different areas of the business. I, my five years in technology was a game changer for me mm, mm. because every business, the backbone tends to be technology. Do you have like how much tech, tech debt do you have? How far ahead of, are you on your uh, technology curve? And then you got to be a great people person too. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, so I critical. think what's, I think what's carried me too is I've been a student of leadership since I'm, I'll age myself a bit for more than 30 years. I read a lot. I study a lot. I've, I have mentors and colleagues that um, I talk to quite a bit. So you have to have a lot of great support and not just people that are yes people that think like you. You really have to have people uh, close by that, that think differently. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. How about this? A couple of quick tips for new CEOs. They just got promoted recently. And based on what you've learned, uh, you know, over the last call it 12 months, what would you say? Well, I would say that uh, if you aren't humble already, I would, uh, I would take some humble pie. Uh, and, the w- and the way I talk about that is, and I just kind of pointed to it a little bit is, Look, as, a, as any kind of leader, whether you're a CEO or whatever you are, you probably want to influence, right? You want to influence the ecosystem, your people, your customers, your business's trajectory. But that gets old if you're the only, if it's a one-way influence. So I tell people all the time, look, I'm going to say what I think, not because what I'm saying I think is necessarily right. I just hope if it's not in your mind that you'll tell me what you think. So if you want to be a good influencer, you have to be willing to be influenced. Uh, and that shared kind of influence sets up something uh, that really is, is quite different. Um, so I would, the advice I'd say is don't try to have all the answers because you don't. Um, and know that you'll have a lot to offer, but allow people to be experts and influence you. That is good stuff. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. I want to, I want to switch gears here and ask you real quick, and this ties a little bit back to culture, but when you're hiring now and you're interviewing, you've, you've grown so fast. What, what is it you're looking for in soft skills or style or personality or whatever word you want to use? What, what are you looking for in somebody beyond just a specific skill set? Uh, when you decide to hire people? Yeah, you got to have skills for the job, right? You got to have great skills because we're growing fast. So typically on a fast growth trajectory, uh, a lot is happening. So we need people that are willing to take on their, their role and maybe some other things that are happening around them. One of the cautions we have is we can't have people playing too many roles for too long, right? Um, because that just gets, that's not a great equation for, uh, engagement. So what we really look for is someone that's done their research on sticker giant okay, and shows up and is telling us about the company. Like they they've been on the website. Look, we, we have a, a gift site, so we do our own gifts. I forget how many are out there, but we just, we just, uh, heard from marketing that we have 1 billion views on our gift library. That's on what? The what? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> So, so we do that because we do a lot of um, content, social media content, and we don't want to have to like, oh gosh, you know, this, do we have the rights for this? So we just came up with all of our own content with this gift library. I love it. So when people look at us and they come to an interview and they can, they're already lit up about what they're seeing. we, We know we've got something. One of the trick things is we just hired a new person on the leadership team and I walked through um, manufacturing and I always look for someone that looks people in the eye and is wants to put their hands on our product because we've got product laying out for employees to come by and get some overrun and stuff. Mm. And it, it's not a, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that that's always going to be the, the telltale sign, but uh, yeah, someone that's just like, Oh my goodness, look at this product. Um, we've know we've got a potential winner on our hands. Now I can't, I can't wait for one of your candidates to interview and they do that. And then you hire them. And then later on, they're like, by the way, I saw that interview with Steve. 
at Rider Flex, so I knew to make sure I picked up the product. <laughs> Still get the credit if you watched the podcast yeah. and learned it that way. No problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty cool. I, I like that. Well, congratulations on the growth, um, really. You. And I think, and I also congrats on the social media, the culture, the image of the company. I mean, yeah, when I think labels and stickers, I mean, I don't, I don't think fun, right? I, I, I mean, I, I was watching you on, on social media. I see the company. And as the Rider Flex podcast grew, I, I kept saying, man, I get, I get, I get on the podcast i go i don't know what, what are they doing over there it looks fun over there uh and that really helps them with your hiring i'm sure you know because people are like hey i'm i want to work there that looks like a cool place to work uh makes absolutely. a difference absolutely absolutely great job on that from to to you and your leadership team your marketing team awesome job really awesome thank job. you yeah we're a work in progress we're always working on it i want to ask you uh about let's switch gears here i want to ask you what is that? What I'm looking at your name on the screen. Now the, the viewers, the viewers can't see it. All right. I don't think that's going to be on the, the, the podcast, but I can see where it says Beth Smith and it says parentheses, they, them. Let's talk about it, Beth. Let's talk about it. Tell me, tell the listeners, what does that mean? Educate me on some of the pronoun stuff. Just pretend like I know nothing. All right. So I'm looking at I'm looking at they them and I'm like I don't know what that means. Tell me. <laughs> I'm gender non-binary. Um, okay. So what that means is I'm. This is the way I describe it. And gender non-binary is an experience that has a wide range of the way people talk about their experience. So I'm going to share my experience. Doesn't mean if you meet another gender non-binary person, they're going to describe it the same way. Okay. So I am female-bodied. So I was born with a female born. body. Born, born, okay. Born yep. a girl. All right. And I never really connected with being a girl. It was very confusing. So I thought, okay, I'm a tomboy. Maybe that's what I am. I'm same-sex attracted as well. So I came out when I was in college being same-sex attracted. So I'm gay. When did um, you know that, by the way, if you don't mind me? And, I, and as you tell the story, I might interrupt you a few times. So yeah, it, that's fine. But, that's fine. Uh, when, uh, when, did you, when did you know you were same-sex attractive? I'm just curious. Oh, when I was in high school, like high school. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, I dated, like boys, boys never even that is. Oh, I dated it. boys, but they were just my best friends. I got <laughs> we did. We'd go play basketball and look at cars and, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So, all right. So that was a big, that was a big, you know, okay. This is me, right. Uh, this is who I am in college. And this is in when college. You're, okay. Yeah. All right. All yeah. Right. And remember I'm going to a fundamental Christian college. So it wasn't like I could be out um but so you hadn't cut so you hadn't come out to your friends or your parents when you were in college yet yeah i definitely had friends that i was out with but not my parents i was in my not 40s when i told my parents really oh let's just take a deep breath that's right a whole there. that's whoa, a whole another story whoa, that's a whole another show a, as they say we're, we're gonna have to schedule another podcast for that holy cow. that's why that's why you moved away from your parents a little bit earlier on faster because i was trying to get into your mom and dad a little bit i saw you thought you moving away from it. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll come back to that. But uh, okay. So in college, your friends, some of your close friends knew and stuff. All right. Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. Yeah, um, so who you're attracted to is um, your, your sexuality, right? Is not your gender identity. So that's, that's who you feel attracted to. Okay. So I'm same sex attracted. Okay. Um, but how I feel about my gender is non-binary. So some people feel, you know, some people never question their gender, right? And so those folks are referred to as cisgender people. They're fully congruent with, I was, I was born with this body. I never even thought that people had experiences of this, this not being in alignment. And it's, it's some about your physical body, but it's, it's how you think. It's like your whole person, right? A lot of people make it about your physical body, which is part of it, but it's just like how you process information um how you isn't, feel about things isn't it interesting i'm gonna interrupt you again right there just real fast because you're absolutely right for for a guy like me 54 year old white guy that grew up in oklahoma conservative christian family with all that right you're exactly right when i hear non-binary i immediately think physical i immediately yeah. my mind immediately goes okay what did they have like a sex change did they like what, what did they do something with their body like that's that's what i think immediately isn't right. that interesting that you say oh. Okay, yeah. Very good. So we've come a long way, like 
some some non-binary people do make changes to their bodies some do not um but i a lot of people get confused as like okay are you then are you a boy and i'm like no i'm not that either which but but transgender people actually may may change uh their gender and they may use right so um but for me um choosing to use they, them, their pronouns was a big deal because it's really hard for people. Our brains are not wired that way. They're, they're just not wired that way. We've very, very culturally, we have wired our brains to think in male and female, he and she, right. When a baby's born, the first thing, you know, gender reveal, um, which, which is all fine. Right. Um, some folks won't, uh, refer to their, their baby, um, as a gender until, uh, the kid is old enough to actually make that choice themselves. That's some choices that people make. Does the um, word, does the, is the definition of gender, physical genitalia or mindset? Great uh, question. Sex is the, the um, physical body representation of male and female, your sex, right? Okay. So you're okay. male or female. Okay. Uh, gender is actually something over time. Uh, society made up and then and we made up norms around male and female gender like this is Mm -hmm. what men do this is Mm -hmm. what women do Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so for me as a kid I was never really drawn to female things in particular Um, so it was really confusing so I was like okay I must be a tomboy but as I got older I was like no there's something really more to this actually Mm -hmm. um so just grateful that I'm, I'm married. Uh, my wife has been extremely supportive. Uh, we have a soon to be 32 year old daughter uh, and she's really? amazing. And her, her uh, generation really is uh, very fluid around these things. Is she adopted? Do you mind me asking? Is she? Um... She's uh, my wife's bi- biological daughter. Okay. So you, your wife was married before? She was. Interesting. How'd you guys meet? We met at a dog park 24 hours after I moved to Boulder. It's like the quintessential Boulder story of people meeting at the dog park. Uh, that's probably a whole other show too. I won't. That tell is you a whole other show. How, how long have you been married? Uh, we've been married eight years, I think, and together 19. Okay. So her, did you say daughter? I think mm-hmm, her daughter, daughter was, was grown out of the house when you guys got married. Okay. No, she no, was 13. Oh, oh she was. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm doing my math wrong. She was 13. Wow. That's another podcast. Okay. So (laughs) how long, how long was your wife? How long had she been out? I don't know how to, I'm not saying it right. Sorry. I was probably messing that up, but how long had she said, Hey, I'm now gay. Um, I know I used to be married, but like, was that several years and her daughter already knew, or was it like, she brought you home one day and she's like, Hey daughter, Meet Beth. By the way, I'm now gay. I mean, how did that work? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I don't. There was a lot of unspoken. Uh, actually, it was just I started coming over and hanging out, and then we told uh, told Maya sometime after that we were in a relationship, and she's like, "That's cool." What? That, did, but did she know her mom was gay? Did she I know? Just, it wasn't really. I don't, I don't think they really talked about it in that way. Like it was just, it was just sort of, yeah, this sort sort of normal thing. Let me ask you this. Is this weird for me to do this? I got, my wife got onto me this for this the other day. We were, uh, we were at a family event and um, my nephew had brought a friend or whatever her nephew, I guess my nephew, our, our nephew had brought a friend. He's at the thing. We're sitting out by the fireplace and I'd had a couple of beers. So, you know, I mean, I usually ask people whatever I want when I haven't been drinking, but if I've been drinking, then it really just comes out. Anyway, he's standing there. I'm like, so you, so you, you are married, you, you know, he's not, no, I'm not married. Oh, you got a girlfriend? No, no. And I'm, girlfriend. I'm like, Oh, are you gay? Or, I mean, I just, I just went through the process, right? Are you married? You have a girlfriend? You have, a, and I, and I just, in my head, I'm thinking, well, isn't that the normal order of questions? I think in my head says that's okay to ask it that way. And my wife hits me in the arm. And she goes, you can't ask that. And I'm like, well, I, why not? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about it? Is that okay for me to do that? What are your thoughts on that? Here's, here's what I'd say. I would say you get specific, right? Are you married? You got a girlfriend, right? And that, 
that really shows that your your brain is oriented that way, right? Yeah, you're, right. you're disoriented that way. So yeah. I would just the next time you meet someone and you're curious about them, just ask them if they're in a relationship, right? In a relationship, that's how I need. Right. To say. There, so there it's just go. this. It's a, a real Are generic a, way to say to to start that conversation. Mm. Are you in a relationship? Oof, right. Yes, I am. And if that's all they say, then you probably don't need to answer any more questions or yeah, they well, offer- yeah, but I want, yeah, but my curiosity, I'm going to want to ask the next question. I'm going to be like, Oh, okay. Well, what is the relationship? What do I say then? <laughs> Just ask you, can I, I'd, I'd love to know more about you. So I think, right. So I think there's this way that mm, that's good. When, when we, when we think in a certain way, we just go down that linear thinking Yes, and then we and we end up alienating people, right, and make right. it hard for them to say really who they are. That's exactly right. Because when I said it that way, he was gay, and I could tell he was offended by the way I asked the question. Yeah. And then later that night, I'm like, well, I didn't, like I didn't mean to hurt his feeling. I didn't mean to like offend him. You know, I'm just trying to get information. But I love the way you said it. I got to get. I got to get much better at that right i think well one of and steve one of the things i really work on and look i'm i'm gender non-binary and i'm not even perfect with my own pronouns sometimes sometimes i'll her myself or she myself and i'll be like well that's funny well how are you supposed um, to say it how are you supposed to say it what, what do i say like if i said if i was telling somebody about beth and i said she brought her car over to the house they they brought they brought their car over what if they go what if they go well what do you mean they like who is she with See, this is who was, so I, you, I, right. I re- That's so funny. That's so, funny. So, so I try, uh, one of the best ways is to use someone's name more frequently. Hmm. Beth came over, Beth brought their car over or Beth, Brett, Beth brought a car over. Hmm. Right. So one of the things I really work on is noticing when I use male or female references, sir, ma'am, right lady. Uh, I think you said it earlier in the podcast, you said something about um, a young lady is like, I just don't ref. I really work hard not to reference people like that. I say a member of our team, uh, this person, uh, an individual I met today. Right. Um, but it takes, it takes some commitment and some work, but. Oh, oh no doubt. I, I believe me. I tried to, we have somebody on our team that was educating me and I, I tried to work on it for a few days. I told my wife, I'm like, holy shit, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I'm 54. I've been saying these words for my whole life. I, how do I just change? Um, can I ask you this? Is this a fair question? Why is this? Why is it important? Like what? Why is that important? If I say, if I say she, like, why is that important to change that? What is that? Why for you is that important? Because you're referencing me in a way that I don't, I don't identify. I don't see myself that way. Okay. Right. I see. That's a good way to look at it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. I did notice. It, somebody- it'd be like if I called you the wrong name all the time. If I, w- I constantly was like referring mm. to you as Bill. Mm. Mm. Gotcha. This is going to take a lot of practice, Beth. I, I, I mean, I have, I mean, <laughs> Well, really let me hurt. let me say this, Steve. I I so appreciate your courage, right? When we started talking about me coming on the podcast, I said, "Look, this is really important to me," and you said, "Right on, let's do it." Yeah, absolutely. So, anytime I see someone that's interested, um, I know people don't become allies on their own. They become allies because people like me are willing to hang out and what feels a little uncomfortable. Um, and share like talk like this so other people can see us interacting like this mm-hmm. um, and normalize it. Now, I always say this too. I'm really open about this, but don't take w- the way I am as the way all mm. non-binary or mm. trans mm. or any um, people that are same sex attracted as a cue from me. This is just mm. me. And this is really one of the ways that I engage in the world to make a difference. So the tie-in here as a leader is this. If you can't authentically be yourself as a leader, then how do you expect your folks to show up and be authentically them, themselves and bring their voice to your business mm-hmm. to contribute their ideas if you aren't authentic yourself? 
That is that is great stuff. Can I ask you? I want to do a follow up to that. What if they come into Sticker Giant being their authentic self and they say, I am a right wing Christian conservative Trump voting, blah, blah, blah. Is that okay? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But the thing is, uh, you have to be respectful, right? Okay. Okay. So, so you have to be respectful. Um, and we respect all people at sticker giant. We have, uh, at 140 people, you can imagine, we do not have a cookie cutter person at sticker giant. Uh, but you do have to be respectful. Okay. So you will interview somebody if you go onto their Facebook and you saw that they were, uh, at the, uh, at the trucker rally in Canada, you're still going to, you'd still interview them. I don't know that we would be going on their Facebook to look for that kind of information. <laughs> I was hoping you'd step into that. You, you blocked me. Uh, can I ask you, I know, I know we're over on, I know we're at our time limit. Do you, do you have time for two more or no? Are we out of time? Absolutely. For you, Steve, uh, anything. Uh, okay. I, this guy, I could just keep going on this for a long time. So I appreciate you uh, going over here. Thank you very much. You said authentic self. Everybody has a voice. Be respectful. You can have your own thoughts. You can, you can say what you want, believe what you want, as long as you're respectful to everybody. That's what I heard you say. Is that accurate? That's right. Okay. Does that mean you're a big believer in the First Amendment? Me personally? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. But I think there's some carve-outs, right? I think violence and hate are, are where, I'll just say me personally, where I draw that line. Okay. But even in that situation, I think, right, we, when we start dividing up who is what, and you're that, and I'm not that, and so we other people, right, uh-huh. around difference, uh-huh. I think we've lost our way in our humanity. Mm. Okay. I'm really interested in looking for what do we share in common? So let me just share this. So I stayed in relationship with my parents after I came out to them. They're both gone now. Okay. And I made a very conscious choice to do that. And it was hard. There was a lot of discomfort around that on both of our sides, Mm -hmm. but it taught me more than I could have learned any other way. And I respected them and they respected me and we stayed in relationship. Now it was hard, but what that's done for me as a leader is understand that as a leader, I have to have broad appeal Mm. because I have all kinds of folks that I work with all the time and they need to know that I respect them um, and that I intend to build them up, not put them down. And I expect them to do the same thing with everybody that they're around. And that creates something in the culture that is important. Mm. That's in the ecosystem. Like we're kind to each other, we're respectful to each other, and we care a lot about what we're doing together and how we treat each other. Why have we lost our way with that mentality on social media where people just, they, people can't disrespect and have a regular conversation and disagree. It's like they always have to pick a fight and yell and, you know, like, okay, my favorite color is purple. Okay. Well, purple sucks. Yellow is the best color. And now we're, you know, you're evil and we're not going to be friends anymore. Like, why do we have to do that? I don't understand why we have to do that. (laughs) I I don't know that I understand either, but it's something about, it's something about the need to be right. Mm. I think so. I agree. Yeah. The need to be right. And the, 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 the need to feel justified, right. The, uh, to feel uh, wanted, to be, to, to feel like you're part of a tribe that agrees with you. I think all of that. And then social media feeds off that and the algorithms feed off of that. And then it just gets out of control from there. Right. Well, we um, actually seek same, same, right. Part of what's happening there is mm-hmm. we're concretizing the people that believe and live and have values like us. And yes. that, that can feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. But actually in doing it, you're, you're othering everyone that doesn't think and believe and feel like you do. I so couldn't agree more. Yes. It, for me, it's a, a sad part of where we are and our, 
larger culture and our human existence. And I'm just that one person that's saying, let's look for our, our sameness. So back to my parents, the whole time that they were still living, when we would get together, I would always plan projects, whether I went to their house or when I was still living in Virginia, uh, they came to my house. And we always planned projects to do when we were together. And those projects became the same, the, the sameness for us. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. think about work. Think about work, right? Mm-hmm. You can bring, right? We value diversity, diversity of thought, diverse teams, they say are the, the most uh, innovative teams that we can put together. But they're coming together with different perspectives with a share, something shared and in common. That's good. Yes, that helps. That's a that definitely that helps. Do you think um, CEOs should be vocal on social media and and about hot topics, so to speak? Here's a perfect example. The new, by the way, for the listeners, we're recording this on the 24th of February, 2022. So the current hot button of the day is this Russia Ukraine thing, right? So I'm sure there's going to be people going on social media because just like you said, they need to feel right. So they're going to go on and say whatever. Um, Do you think CEOs need to be going on social media for the hot topic of the month and picking a side and voicing their opinion? What are your thoughts on that? I would would ask folks that are doing that in leadership roles what their intention is. Hmm. Have you considered what your intention is? Hmm. And what are the impacts of those actions, those words. Yeah, most of them are doing it just for their own glamour, their own, you know, to make themselves feel good, right? To, to be popularity, whatever, whatever, whatever they're, they're feed their own ego of some kind, right? And then they, they think, well, I'm speaking for my, I'm speaking for my, my company. And I, I always say, yeah, if you've got 150 employees, you're not speaking for everybody. Trust me. No, <laughs> you're not. And you're alienating people in your company. Yes, that, that is correct. Have different beliefs and thoughts than you do. Mm-hmm. And making, not creating a safe environment outside of whatever that topic is for that, for those folks to feel safe, to say, I think we should do something different here on this project. Or here's an idea I have for something we could do here to improve our business. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. makes it really challenging for people to show up as their authentic self, mm, when totally your strongly held belief becomes the overpowering uh, element in the room or right. broader, right? Um, you mentioned earlier a billion views. Uh, social media is very important to your company. Um, I'm not saying it couldn't exist without it, but it, it definitely helps your reputation and culture and you know helps with a lot of, a lot of things. What happens if you say something on social media one day that Facebook doesn't like and Instagram doesn't like and they just turn you off, cancel you? What, and, and, and I want to tie that into what do you think about the ability of Google and Facebook and Twitter to just wipe you out uh, after years of building up a, a brand or, or, or a name for yourself? And poof, you say the wrong thing. You say, hey, you say, I, I think masks are dumb. And then the next day you're your, your account's canceled. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Well, from a sticker giant standpoint, we, we aren't doing any of that. Like we are, we are propagating and socializing our business gotcha. to help our customers tell their stories. Right. Perfect. Perfect. And we're interested in people seeing us as fun, fast, and friendly. Those are our three uniques where we play. So we don't have a need really to do that or a desire uh, to do that. Have you so, had friends that have been canceled? Do you know people that have been kicked out? Yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple. Um, but, you know, for myself, I'll just tell you for me, right, on my Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to, and Instagram a little bit, you know, who I'm friends with on Facebook is uh-huh. as diverse as you could possibly imagine. Good. And Good. I don't unfriend people. Uh, sometimes my jaw drops open um, and then I slow down. I practice for a minute and I notice, okay, that's really hard to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I move on. You know what I do when I, when, when that happens to me, 
especially if I'm with them in person or if I'm having a beer down at the tavern, I always say, Hey, listen, I tell me about that. Like, I want to understand, like, talk to me about how you're feeling. Talk to me about why you think that way. Uh, and, and I'm okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to demonize you because you think that way. I'm just curious as to why you do. Let's talk about it. Like we can still be friends. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, in person, it's much different than, so I don't, oh, I don't interact yes. like that on social media. Yes, that's yes. just, to me, that's silly. It um, is. But in person, yeah, I'm pretty interested in, yeah, tell me about, tell me about it. Yeah, totally. Because when I do have those conversations, I usually learn something. I usually get a nugget like, oh, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that way, you know, and I'll, and I'll I'll come away. I mean, I I may not change my mind. I may not drive away and, and, and change how I think overall, but I usually get something out of it or learn like, okay, I know why they think that way because of their upbringing or their environment or whatever um so it's it's, i just encourage people listening to this episode please just you said it earlier you said at the beginning of the podcast just listen just how about just listen and try to understand and have empathy we don't all have to agree on stuff right i mean come on man it's it's, we don't all have to be so angry at each other last uh last two questions i could i could keep going for another hour if you could um call your young self at the age of 21 now knowing what you know anything in particular you would tell your 21 year old self i would tell myself this simple thing you are not alone and you felt that way you felt that way a lot when you were younger i think in varying degrees part of our human experience is in varying degrees feeling alone Mm. right did you have siblings or were you the only child? I had a brother. I have a brother. Okay. All right. You see, where's he at? He's still in Virginia. Is he? Okay. How's he feel about your, your, your non-binary approach? What, what's? Uh, no need to get there. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> I got to get you. I got to get you out to the bar. We're going to have to have some drinks so I can get you. I want to, I got to know more. Our last question is this one. If you could define your core purpose in life now at this stage at this age your go forward core purpose what would that sound like it's pretty simple too it is to be of benefit Mm -hmm. to be of benefit in the world to be of benefit at sticker giant and for each giant that works there for the community that sticker giant is held within and longmont See, I wore my favorite hat for the podcast today. I like it. I like it. Um, I'll, I'll throw a Maya Angelou uh, quote here that means a lot to me. Um, I'm not going to get it exactly right. She said, you know, people will forget what you say, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Ooh, and good one. for me, that is my aim around being of benefit in the world is people could forget everything I said today. Uh, I hope they remember a thing or two. But if they leave feeling a little encouraged or a little optimistic or like, yeah, I know a little more information about being non-binary, then boy, my core purpose is, is being fulfilled. Beth Smith, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Steve.